Good afternoon, everyone. A blessed Easter to each and every one of you as we commemorate and celebrate the hope of all human beings here on earth. And that is to be one day to be alive in the very presence of the living God. And so this afternoon, I would like for us to make a proper reflection of what the resurrection really means to each and every one of us. So many times we celebrate it year after year, year after year, but uh, the question that we need to ask is how does the resurrection of Jesus Christ affect the way we live and understand life? So today, let's once again consult Mark, our favorite, our uh, evangelist for the month, <laughs> not flavor of the month, the evangelist of the month, and let's try to consider again the story of the resurrection according the way Mark related it in the Gospel. But before going there, uh, when you talk about resurrection, you cannot avoid talking about death. Yeah, because resurrection is about overcoming death. It means somebody who is dead becomes alive again. So death is part of our study. And that is the most is the the most important thing that people on earth would like to solve. It's very mysterious. And until today, we are living 2015 and include the year to the time of creation. It is something that you and I are fearful about, isn't it? Nobody would like to die. When we talk about death, we are crippled, we start becoming tense, and uh, in fact, we don't like to think about death. But it is something that we cannot avoid. And uh, and the most interesting question that we have been trying to answer is, what lies beyond death? What happened to me after I die? What happened to you after I die? Well, this is not a question that we wrestle today. It has been a question even in the time of Jesus Christ. And, and at least during the time of the Lord, there were three mainstream of understanding regarding death. The first stream of understanding is that after death, nothing. You don't exist. You're like, just like an animal. When, when a dog or a horse or a fish die, after you eat tilapia, tilapia does not exist anymore except the bone. <laughs> it means dead, nothing. And in the time of Jesus, there were some Jews who believed that way. And they are called the Sadducees. Some people in those days are, are so intellectual that nothing really can exist after dying. But then there's another group of people who are called the civilized people in those days. Where they were the Romans and the Greek. You would be surprised. The Romans and the Greek, the most civilized people in those days are the most, uh, how do you call it, superstitious people that you could ever imagine. This is how they believe. That after death, there is the realm of the spirit and the soul. Okay? And they call it the land of the nether. It means the land beyond. It's a place where you cannot go back. In fact, in Iliad, Homer even wrote about it, that Homer went down to the valley of the abyss and he saw the dead people. And many of those dead people wants to go back 
but they cannot. So this is the story of this is the destiny of you and me when we die. We become a soul or spirit. Now it's not only going to the nether. If you are favored by the gods, you can live with the gods, like the emperor. Emperor Nero, they believe, became one of the morning star in heaven. He became divine after he died. His soul transmigrated somewhere in the land of the gods. And somehow this is where we also get most of our belief about where do you go after heaven? You talk about heaven, purgatory, hell. That there is this transmigration of the soul and the spirit somewhere in the land that is not of this world. And interestingly, there is a kind of belief in those days which we call the messianic hope. You know, the Jewish people, I, I learned that they don't really think much about life after death. Yeah, because the understanding of the Jewish people is that God is the God of the living. He is not interested with the dead people. The dead people cannot worship the Lord. Isn't it? The, word, the dead people cannot cannot offer sacrifices and, and give glory to God. So God, they say, is that God of the dead is God of the living. So the main understanding in those days, when they think about the Messiah, is that one day, death will be defeated. How? They don't know. It is what we call the messianic hope. In Daniel chapter 12 verse 2, it was implicitly written there that they say, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. But you notice, this is not just about soul and spirit. It means someone who is dead will become alive again. But what is the hope? They don't have any complete theological or systematic understanding, but it remains a hope. Why the hope is, if God can create the world out of nothing, if God is continuously creating life through married couple, He can make us alive again. But how? They never know. So this is the concept of the way people think about what happened when you and me die. Now it's up to you to choose whether you like to become a Sadducee or, or a philosophical Roman uh, mythologist that there's something that will happen or embrace the hope in us that the God that we worship is a God of the living and not the God of the dead. And therefore, if that is the reality, even we die, He will raise us up again. But again, it's a hope. It's not a concrete, scientific, proven theology or hypothesis. It is just a hope. So when we go now to the story of Jesus' resurrection according to Mark, I just like to look upon how Mark related the story of the resurrection in two paragraphs. Very short. And this is what he said. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See, see the place where they laid him. But go. Tell these disciples and Peter, he is going out ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. 
And then he ended up this description of the resurrection trembling and bewildered over all. The women went out and fled from the tomb. And they said nothing to each other and to anyone. Why? They were afraid. That's very interesting. Today we are so happy about Easter. But in those days, Mark is saying, and even Matthew was saying, there was a mixture of fear. The apostles were fearful. The women were fearful. Perhaps this is to prove to us today that it was not a concoction of people. It was not an invention. Because it is telling us that even the apostles and the women were not able to understand what was happening. They themselves were not expecting it and they were afraid of the resurrection. What does the story of resurrection therefore mean to you or mean to us? Well, there's a lot of ways we could think about. To many scientific modern way of thinking, I know that I will say unbelievable. It is untrue. Well, we cannot blame them. Has any one of you seen somebody come from the dead? Have any of your lolos and ancestors who have been dead came to visit you lately? Nobody. So it's unbelievable. It's not true. And, and when you see a corpse that is so stiff and blue and black, it is so hard to imagine that this decaying corpse would become alive again. So, I don't blame them. It's unbelievable and it's untrue. It's scientifically, it's impossible. Death, the moment decay comes in, it's irreversible. So, don't blame them. They see it that way because it's a reality. It's quite hard to believe it. And to some people, other religions will say, well, the apostles made up that story. They made it up. In order to propagate the religion of Christianity, they invented that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. But you know, Mark says, no, they were not inventing it because they were so afraid when it happened. In fact, perhaps they don't like it to happen because it's so scary, so scary. And to some people would just simply say, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to believe. I just simply don't know what this is all about. Uh, let the pastor think about it, but not me. I don't want to know. Or to many, we just become agnostics. So I will say, I believe, but I also don't believe. <laughs> it's in between. You know? Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Agnostic. And many people are like that today. They believe in God, but they just don't believe that God even intervene with their life. I believe, but I don't really believe. Agnosticism. So that, that's the way many times we think about the story of the resurrection. Even among us Christians, I'm sure many of us would say, I believe it. Do you really mean you believe it? Perhaps for us, it's easier for us to believe that when we die, our spirit immediately goes to somewhere. And that's why we want to be assured when I die, do I go to heaven or hell? We want to be assured. But you see, the story is not about being assured where you, want, where, you, where you will go after you die. The story of Jesus is about the resurrection of the dead. Not what will happen to you after you die. God will take care of what happened to you after you die. But the resurrection story of Jesus is unbelievable. Dead, 
becoming alive again. Are you still with me? And so you notice, when you think about this, it is quite scary. Uh, this is quite scary. So how did Mark portray the resurrection event based on what we have read? First of all, he wants to be sure in the preceding paragraph or verses that we talk about that Jesus indeed died as he foretold. As you know the story, Jesus said, I'm the son of man, but I'm going to die. And then before he was buried, there was a story that Joseph of Arimathea wants to get the body, then Pilate called the centurion and asked the centurion, he said, is, is he dead? Oh, he's been dead for many hours. Now, that is a valid, a valid uh, testimony that Jesus indeed was dead because a centurion who day in, day out witnessed crucifixion of thousands of people, I'm sure he knows the difference between a dead person, a dying person, and who is still alive. So he knew that Jesus is dead. And they buried him. So it was being uh, stopped by Mark. He was really dead. He's not unconscious. He's not what other uh, people who object about the resurrection. He was in a swoon. It means he passed out for a while and then he would be revived again. And then as the story says, he wants to emphasize that when Mary Magdalene and the women came, he was not inside the sepulchre. He was not inside the tomb. And there was a man who was saying, He has risen. He has risen. He's not here. And in fact, as I mentioned, I think uh, in some of my, in one of my preaching, that it is funny because the man said, He's not here, you know. And remember, he promised that he will meet you in Galilee. Well, he's now there, he's waiting. It's just like saying, as I mentioned, if somebody you love is about to die, and then before he died, he said, okay, I'm going to die now, but after a while, after three days, can we see each other in Westfield? Okay? And let's have chicken at Nando's. You will not believe it. But then after three days, you went to the cemetery or in the, in, in the funeral parlor, and, and somebody tells you, what are you looking for? My, my loved one, no, he's there. He's in Westfield. He just left, riding a taxi. He's going to wait for you there in Westfield. And that's what, what the angel was saying. Remember what he said? He will meet you there in Galilee. Go now, go. Don't miss him. He's there. Now, I tell you, if I were the woman, I would be like them. I'm telling you, this is a scary. <laughs> It's not something that you would jump immediately. The Lord is risen. No. In reality, it was a scary event. Why? Because it is a crucial, decisive event in the history of humanity. It is a decisive event that can change the destiny of man. The news that Jesus indeed resurrected from the dead is a decisive event, not only for the followers of Jesus, not only for Christians, but for all human beings. And that's why it is a scary thing. It will turn everything that people believe in. It will change the way people look at life. 
and destiny. It is a crucial event. That's why it was scary. And I say that's why it's a terrifying ending to the story of the resurrection. Mark did not hide that that, uh, terrified attitude of the woman. In fact, he would like to emphasize that. It's a terrifying ending. Why? Have you been watching this undercover boss? How many of you have watched that? An undercover boss. It's a story, it's a documentary wherein the owner of a big company, maybe a hotel, he, he, want, he go incognito and apply as one of the waiter or one of the electrician or one of, or one of a casual worker inside a company that he owns and he meet with employees and talk and talk with them and, and then at the end of the story is that he will reveal himself and the owner. Now could you imagine? This is what happened there. Could you imagine all of a sudden Mary Magdalene and all the people, oh my goodness, what's this? I was spending three and a half years with Jesus. Oh my goodness, what's this? Oh, he is what he say he was. It is startling. And perhaps when you start thinking about it, oh my goodness, this is the biggest mistake of humanity. This is the very man, or this is the Savior that we're waiting for. And, and we killed him. It's a big mistake. Do you understand the drama that could happen in the hearts of these people? It is scary. It is It's just so hard to, to accept and comprehend everything. Now they realize who is this man. And then, of course, there is the uncertainty and certainty of what will happen next. Now, you know that Jesus was mocked by people. You know that Peter denied Jesus. You know that some of them abandoned him. You know these people who... Now, there is uncertainty. The question is, what will Jesus do? Will he be angry with Peter? Isn't it? When, you, when he was alive, you were always trying to make fun of this person. And all of a sudden, you realize he is not somebody that you just know. And then you say, oh my goodness, what will he do to us? It's uncertainty. Will he destroy now the high priest? Will he destroy now the Romans? It's uncertain. Isn't it? No, because this is the person who was mocked and crucified. Now he's alive. Oh my goodness. I wonder what's going to happen. I have to be sure where I belong now. And But there's also certainty because you realize that everything he said came to pass. So everything, whatever he will now proclaim, is going to be happening. So better be careful now with this man. Don't take him lightly. Because if he says this is going to happen, it's going to happen because everything he said before really did happen. So there is uncertainty of what will happen and yet you know that there is a certainty somehow that the fate of humanity is in good hands. And of course we could say this is a moment of decision for the Jews and for the world. 
This is something that is not just an ordinary religious event. It's a decision time. It's a, it's a moment of truth. It is now being laid down in front of us, whether we are apostles, disciples or not. We now have to face the moment of truth. This is the meaning of resurrection. It's either we dismiss it or it's a decision moment for people. The resurrection of Jesus, it's a decisive event. First of all, when you talk about the revelation now of Jesus, remember Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus did not say He is the Son of God. Okay? But there were three testimonies in the Gospel of Mark that say He was the Son of God. The voice from heaven when He was being baptized and during transfiguration, there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son whom I love. And in transfiguration, This is my Son, my beloved Son. Listen to Him. So it was not Jesus who said, I am the Son of God, but a miraculous voice from heaven was saying, This is my beloved Son. And then, who else? The unclean spirits. Now this might sound funny, but this, the spirit world recognize and say, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. I know who you are. You are the Son of the Most High God. But Jesus never said, I am the Son of God. He let others testify about Him. And the most important testimony is about the, the testimony of the centurion in Mark 15:39, when he said, Truly this man. Remember, he is a pagan. The centurion is pagan. He is one of those who believe in the transmigration of soul, etc., etc. But at that moment, not the apostles, not the Jewish people proclaim, but the pagans say, surely this man is the Son of God. Now what the resurrection proved is that all these testimonies were true. That this is really the one that God loves. And this is the one that God says we must listen because He has risen from the dead. It is not a claim of Jesus, but a claim of people, a claim of a voice from heaven, a claim of the Spirit, that this is, and therefore, now He is resurrected. Indeed, He is not just an ordinary person. What else? It also proved that He was the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man is a name given to the Messiah. But instead, He says, he came to give his life as a ransom to many, but will rise in his glory. The Messiah, therefore, the Messiah says, I'll give my life as a ransom. I will be persecuted, crucified, and killed, but I will rise from the third. On the third day, I will rise in my glory. And it did happen. So now the resurrection proves that Jesus is really the Messiah. Because if he did not resurrect, we will still be waiting for a Messiah. But he indeed resurrected. And finally, and this is the most scary thing, I think this is just my thoughts, but I think this is one of the scary things about the resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus as the Son of Man has been given everlasting dominion and power over all the nations. 
Now Mary's and the company of women and perhaps the apostles. Oh my goodness, now. The rabbi, our teacher, the Lord, is not just a Messiah. If he indeed is the Son of Man, all the heavens and even in the earth is now under his dominion. Because the Messiah comes from the idea of Daniel chapter 7. Let's look at Daniel 7 verse 14. It says, And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that will all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. We were singing a while ago, And your kingdom will know no end. That's the Messiah. And so the resurrection of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ authenticate that He is not just a religious person who is good, who was good, a good teacher, but in His resurrection, all the dominion and power of the earth has been given to Him. That's the implication. And then Jesus also affirmed that in Mark 13 verse 26 when He was alive, He said, at that time, people will see the Son of Man referring to Himself, coming in clouds with great power and glory, and He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. And then, when He was asked, He said, Are you the Messiah? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man, referring to Him, sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, if you are a Jew at the time, and you understand the meaning of the Messiah, and Jesus, you know, when He was alive, He claimed to be the Son of Man. He died, and now He's alive. I don't know how to think about it. This is something serious. This is something terrifying. Now, the Lord, my Rabbi, my Teacher, is not just a teacher. He holds the destiny of every man. That's a powerful meaning of the resurrection. Jesus was proven to be the Savior of the world. The decide and, and how about us? How does it affect us? And what do we learn from this? First thing that we could learn from the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that your life is a precious gift. I'm saying that because if the Son of Man has to come and die in order to save your life, your life must be very precious. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Your friend can deny you. Your friends can betray you. Your parents may be angry with you and your children may be angry to your parents. But to somebody to save your life, even the Son of God tells us, no matter how you look at yourself, your life is precious. For Jesus to do that, for God to do that, it means every life, regardless of color, black, blue, yellow, white, they're all precious. Old, young, and children, lame, blind, regardless of religion, they are precious. Because God has to do something to serve, preserve this life. This life is precious, gift given by God. But the true story why He came is because we have ruined that life. 
I don't need to find evidence for that. Just, just read the stories in the newspaper and read and listen to BBC, Sky News, Al Jazeera, Euronews, whatever you see. The whole world, humanity, we have ruined this gift of life. And that's why death is coming to us. But the Son of Man came to ransom that life. By dying in your behalf, by destroying sin that destroys us, your life is precious. And that's the beauty of the resurrection. That He has to come back to tell us this life, this life and your life, I want you to remember that is precious. The reason why I came because your life is so precious to my Father who is in heaven. Another thing is, Jesus, from a Jewish perspective, He was the Passover lamb and the atonement sacrifice for our deliverance and forgiveness of sin. The resurrection proves that He was the acceptable sacrifice from God. There is a story in the book of, uh, in the in the Feast of Atonement, the Day of Atonement of the Jewish people, that once a year, they get a, a goat, and they get a sacrificial goat, and they make the uh, laying of the hands over the head of the goat, and they let the goat go. And then, the chief priests would enter the Holy of Holies, and what they do, they say, is they put a something in his foot, you know, tie something in his foot. So, and, and his robe is promongonate, cling, 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 at the bottom. See, because they want to know that, because the idea is, if he enters the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, God will make a decision whether the sacrifice was accepted or not. If not, the high priest could die. And so they put a, a rope, so in case he died, they will... <laughs> and in the clanging of those, of those uh, promongonate as ended, it means something went wrong. Now Jesus, when he resurrected from the dead, tells us that he was not only the sacrifice that was accepted, but he was the high priest who finished the sacrifice. That's from a Jewish perspective of understanding what happened there. It means, therefore, all our sins have been forgiven have been forgiven. It's not about Jesus being punished. It is about Jesus becoming the sacrifice for our sins. And another thing is, this is so beautiful, and, and I was just basically crying when we were singing. You know, the reason why Jesus came to die on the cross and resurrect is to tell us that we are destined by God to live, not to die. Death is something that God does not want. It is us who want it by sinning and corrupting our own lives. We were destined to live. We were destined to live with Him. Again I say, He is God of the living, not God of the dead. Do you follow? Life is about life here, created by Him. And the resurrection of Jesus proves that life is so precious to Him. And that you and I were destined to live, not to die. Not to suffer in, with our sin, to commit crazy things. We are not destined. We were created in the image and likeness of God and animals. And that's why He came. 
To ransom, it means to redeem what has been lost in the way we think about ourselves. Isn't that wonderful to know that we are not destined to die? But it is our sin that has brought us death. And finally, therefore, resurrection is a real hope. I would say it's still hope. I am not confident. I'm not saying to you, oh, I can prove to you. But I still, I have hope. Because Jesus Christ himself resurrected from the dead. So it's not a theory. It's not a scientific formula. But it is a hope. And I live in that hope. Not only in the hope of resurrection, but I live in the hope because of Jesus Christ. Because, hallelujah, He has risen. And therefore, it is a real hope. I don't hope what will happen to me when my body decay and die. My only, I don't really worry about it anymore because the moment that you put your hands in the hands of God, let God worry about you. I cannot worry for God for me. It is God who takes care of me. But one thing my hope says, Jesus said, if you are in Christ, and even the Apostle Paul said, if the Spirit that raised Jesus of Nazareth from the dead is in you, you yourself, by this Spirit, you will be risen from the dead. And that is a hope. A hope. A hope that is alive. Because the testimony was alive. Jesus has risen from the dead. So indeed, Jesus the Nazarene, he has risen. Jesus was called basically the Nazarene because it represents to be not only the place where he lived, but he is basically the servant of God, one who serves God. And he has risen. And so in ending, the undercover boss. <laughs> you meet your undercover boss every day of your life. Isn't it? He deals with you every moment of your life. We cannot hide from it. Sometimes we speak to him in the form of other people, in the events of our life. But one day, this undercover boss would reveal himself to us. And it would be wonderful just like not Mary anymore being fearful, but we would jump in joy because we have nothing to fear while the undercover boss is living with us. Let us all stand up and let us proclaim the glory of the risen Lord. But one thing I would say, at least the terrifying part of it is over. <laughs> it's the apostle who suffered the fear, uh, the terrible thing that they experienced. The terrifying event for us now has been transformed in a joyful event. Because the story of Jesus was not a fiction. It is a reality. And therefore, His resurrection is real. And he has promised that those who are with him, they would follow him 
where he will go. And for this reason, if you are in Christ Jesus, you have all the reasons to rejoice. Resurrection, we celebrate Christmas because it is December, it's gift-giving. But the resurrection is the most decisive event in the life of our Lord. And it's the most decisive event that you and I have to face. Father God, I just thank you for this wonderful opportunity to speak about that wonderful event. Lord, still it's a hope for us, but our faith is in Christ. Our belief is in Him. Not because we have seen a scientific proof, not because there is a wonderful hypothesis offered by a doctor or a scientist, by people who experience cloning and DNA and all this genetic engineering. Oh Lord, we have hope because we have seen Jesus in our life. And we will continue to enjoy this hope in our hearts and we will pursue our life because indeed, Lord, we believe you have risen from the dead. We thank you, Father. May your love and blessing be upon your people. And may the power of resurrection remain for all of us who are present here today. That the memory of Christ, not just a memory, but His life would walk with us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.